Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. How's everybody doing? It's good to worship, right? Man, I just is like, whoo. Um, uh, it's always a thin place, you know, but just I was extra aware this morning of, of uh, heaven touching earth. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today as we wrap up this story. We're finishing the series, the story that we find ourselves in, but we are not done with that theme. And uh, the Lord's kind of just led us to uh, our summer series is actually going to be finding ourselves in God's story. So we've been talking about this story. Now we're going to just hear from lots of different voices over the course of the next bunch of weeks here about actually finding ourselves in Christ and in the the church, in God's people together and in the mission together. So uh, I'm excited about that. I I think it's going to help us. So what we've been doing, here's the series in a sentence. The story that we find ourselves in is about learning to read the Bible through the lens of Jesus and how we as individuals and as a people fit together in that story. And so it's it's, uh, what we're emphasizing. Go ahead and throw the the, uh, slide up there. What we're emphasizing is that this is the This is the story that we want to be a part of. That's what we're saying. We're telling the story, but we're saying we want to be a part of this story. We don't want to just do the American story and salt a little bit of Jesus along the way and just do what we were otherwise going to do. We actually want to order life to the story of God. And we want to fit there. We want to, that's where the real living is at. That's where the real life is at. And it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful Thing. We want to live joyful lives that are connected to that story. And if you think about it, we've been going through, I'm not going to go through all the pieces that we've done, but we started with the lens of Jesus, the triune God creates. We talked about the fall, the promise then to, I'm kind of doing it, but, um, but you're working your way through the story and we're ordering life to that story. Okay, that's what we want to do. And we are living now, what we're talking about today is we look forward from Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve type, and then we're going all the way to Revelation 21 and 22 today, and, um, and, and in fulfillment, what God intends for us as people to live in this story, and we are living in that space there between the church and new creation, and we are to be like signposts, okay? Like signpost people. We, we don't perfectly portray, but we point to what's coming, in our living and thinking and acting and vocations, all of, that, all of that stuff is there. So the new heavens and the new earth is where this is going. Jesus is going to come again, but he's, he's coming for us and he's bringing with him heaven. So, and, and we're constantly subverting in our Western minds the story that we're just out of here and going to heaven, but you read the end of Revelation and you realize, oh no, Heaven's actually coming here. A renewed, a renewed earth and the new heavens, the new earth, and that is the new creation that we long for. And so I, let me just read a few verses, just set the, set, the, uh, set the story here. This is Revelation chapter, 
I really appreciate Shannon reading Revelation 1 earlier. Oh, wow. You know, she read it back there, and I said, you got to do that out here because it was just anointed in, in the presence of God there and then here as well. Uh, this is Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So you've got some mixing of metaphors there, the bride, the city. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, so in all of Revelation, the throne has been in heaven, but now the throne is coming to the earth, to a renewed earth, right? A loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of God. And we say, ah, thanks be to God. Amen. We say, ah, <laughs> thanks be to God. Amen. So right, let's keep talking about this a bit. So John, the, the apostle John, literally orders his whole gospel around this theme from creation to new creation. That's why he says in, in verse one, in the beginning, was the word. He's like kind of retelling the story of creation and putting Jesus right there. And then new creation in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and him walking around in a garden, new creation. It's all, he's, he's doing it all brand new. He's making all things new. So that's kind of how John organizes his gospel. Paul is the apostle of new creation. Like he's bringing the word about new creation. The first letter written in the New Testament was Galatians, about 49 AD. And he writes this letter about what the gospel is. It's not two tables, it's one table. We are one worldwide people together. We are not denominated by our ethnicities, but we are one together in the Messiah. Isn't that good news? It's just like, woo, yes. But then he finishes the whole thing in Galatians 6, verses 14 and 15. He says, I don't want to boast in anything else but the cross of Jesus Christ. Man, I never boast in anything else but the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. This new life that is broken in through the life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is returning in glory to make all things right, to judge the living and the dead. I'm just, man, I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of worked up today. Lord, help me to get this out. I'm excited is what, what it is. And uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So this new creation thing, it's huge. That's, we're in this tent right now, but we're looking forward to this body being renewed and everything being made right. 
Peter, even at the end of, uh, well, no, let me go to Romans first. I forgot about this one. Romans, like Romans doesn't mention heaven, but it does talk about the new creation and says that the creation itself is groaning and longing for the manifestation of the sons of God, the daughters of God, the children of God in glory. When creation itself will be liberated from bondage and decay and made new and right and whole. Isn't that that exciting? Peter ends his second letter. He says the the thing that matters. Go ahead and flash 2 Peter 3. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I'm just trying to hit this. The second sermon Peter preaches is in Acts chapter 3, and he says, Jesus is going to remain in heaven until the time comes for him to return and restore everything. So I, and, and we have to tell that story over and over again. I'm going to, one more verse, and then I'll make some other points, but Hebrews chapter 2, 12, verses 2 and 3 in the message has been life-giving to me for the last couple of weeks. And I want to just read this and just bask in it. Just be stirred up in it. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. And when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. When you find yourselves flagging in in faith, go over the story, go over the story, go over the story again. That's what he's saying there. Go over the story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Yes. Okay. Now, some people may say, I know the story. I know how it ends. I already already know all that. And then others are going, this sounds different than the way I heard it. I heard like, you know, believe in Jesus and we are out of here. We're, We're off to heaven. And that's not untrue. It's just not the rest of the story. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul said, you know, to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. It's better by far that I go be with him. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story isn't just that we're with him in heaven, but that heaven is actually coming here and we are gonna have resurrected bodies from the dead. Okay, so I know that 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 subverts our Western mindset. We don't think that way. We think spiritual dualism, materialism, and we frame those things very differently. And so the problem is subtly substituting heaven at the end of the story. Even hearing resurrection and thinking heaven, you know, and it's reinforced in our worldview. Greek dualism, Platonic philosophy, it's just reinforced everywhere. It's reinforced in far side cartoons, Right? You know, just clouds. It's reinforced in movies from Hollywood. You know, you walk around in dry ice for eternity. Old movie, Heaven Can Wait. Only old people will know this movie. There's one. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. But it's just a study in that's not what the Bible says. And so we have to, we have to wake up 
wake up to this. Um, the, so the problem in retrieving what Paul is saying in the midst of our Western mindset is that the law then simply becomes a moral code with an assumed going to heaven theology rather than the law of Moses is within the worldwide promise given to Abraham that all nations would be blessed in and through him. So it's just a different way. N.T. Wright, a number of us got to go up to Vancouver a few years ago and do a study with him on Galatians. Me and Tom. Hey, Tom. <laughs> Kidding. He's one of the world, most world-famous New Testament theologians. And he poses the problem this way. He says, Western teaching has, and you can put these, these three things up there, has platonized our eschatology, moralized our anthropology, which therefore leads to paganizing our soteriology. Okay, <laughs> you probably want me to back up on that. So Platonized our eschatology is heaven instead of new creation. That's what Platonized our eschatology means. Moralized our anthropology means rules instead of image-bearing vocation. So you keep the rules rather than be an image-bearer who's got a vocation to, to work out in life. And then that leads to kind of a paganized view of salvation, which is an angry, bullying God instead of the self-giving, loving God who's revealed in Jesus Christ. So it's just, it's huge. Here's the main thing I'm trying to say today in this one sentence. God is calling us to live creative lives that express the kingdom and point to the new creation. So creative, let's just think using our imaginations today to live creative lives that express the reign of God. What is the reign of King Jesus really like on planet Earth? What should it look like? And that just takes boring Christianity and throws it out the back if you've got a creative way to live a beautiful life that expresses the reign of God on planet Earth. That means every single day I've got something to do. And it doesn't matter if I'm in ministry or I'm doing whatever it is, as long as it's not illegal. It needs to be something that's legal, that honors God, that expresses the reign of God. But I mean, I look around this room, I know there's educators and people helping all different kinds of professions and vocations around this room. And it, I, I just want to emphatically say it matters. It matters. If we're living in this story, what we do matters. And it builds for the kingdom of God. Just huge, man. So a couple things here. I want us to revisit the resurrection, and I think that's going to help us and I'll, as we unpack this and then reimagine our purpose. And even in prayer this morning, it was receive the revelation. Maybe I'll add a third point here. I don't know how much time I've got. But uh, this, is, this is exciting to me, okay? So if the first one is revisit the, revisit the resurrection. Turn in your Bibles to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and let's just kind of walk through a little bit here. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture from 15, but I want to get the context here too. So Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and they've got all kinds of sin stuff going on in the church there, um, but he calls them saints, right? He says, you're, you're the saints of God. You know, he calls them saints. And he talks to them about being one, even though they're, they're a mess. Um, anybody else a mess? Several of you guys. Um, and I am too, by the way. 
Um, so so he, he's writing to them. And he says, you, you've been given gifts so in your different body parts so that you can express the body of Jesus Christ. You can be the one body together. But here's the, here's the thing. Love must always mark you. Love must always, it's more important than anything else. Like, even if you're right on all your doctrine, which nobody is, it, but even if you were, if you didn't have love, it would be for nothing. So even if you use, and, and this is a one-time use, a, a gift of martyrdom, you can only use that one one time. Um, but even if you gave your body to the flames, without love, it doesn't matter. So love, is this, it's not just for weddings, right? It's patient, it's kind, gentle, tender, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love trusts and hopes and perseveres. Love never fails. And then he talks about how to, it, you know, this thing is like, this, this piece about love is huge because we're looking, we don't see Jesus clearly as we always should. We're looking through the glass, but, but there's coming a day when we're gonna see clearly. We're gonna see him and we're gonna be like him. Yeah. It just, oh, it's just such, such an incredible end to this story. And so he tells them how to, you know, some things about worship and doing worship in order. And then he gets to uh, chapter 15. And there he says, I want to remind you about the gospel. That the thing I preached to you of first importance, Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures, Jesus Christ died for our sins and he was raised on the third day by the power of God. He was seen by many, by Peter and by the apostles and by over 500 people. And then the next, and last by me, he says. And the next thing he talks about is the resurrection from the dead. Like right in that context of being the church and sharing the gospel is believing in the resurrection from the dead. And I, I go around different Antioch training schools and things, and I, what I'm about to read, like receive this as it is. It's the word of God. And I'll say this, and it's because of our worldview. It's because of that we don't think resurrection a lot of times. We have to subvert that because we think we're just out of here and we're going to heaven one day. And we're actually, though, going to be raised from the dead bodily to live in a new heavens and new earth. So that's, that's how the story ends and begins in a way because, you know, it just helps. Even that gives me vision beyond dry ice, but a renewed earth with a glorified body like Jesus. Isn't that, that amazing? I don't, it's different. It's a different version, you know, but it's a body and it can walk through walls and there's some space-time stuff going on there. But God's, but God's into that, right? That's what the whole temple thing is about. Space, Sabbath, time, matter, us. Just, that's not in the notes, that's free. <clears throat> Beautiful. Beautiful. I, that's, why, that's why Trinitarian scientists were the first to discover relational quantum physics. You know, de Klerk was the inspiration for Einstein. Einstein kept a picture of de Klerk who discovered the electromagnetic field on his office wall. Isn't that wild? But de Klerk was a Trinitarian guy. He believed in the Trinity and saw the relationships there. And it's just 
Beautiful. Back to this. So what subtly happens about the resurrection is we translate that into heaven when we die. And at one level, it's true. Like I've just made that point already. So let's read some. So this is verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. So just everybody tracking there. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied because we're, we're trying to walk this way of Jesus. We're suffering. We're going through hard things that we wouldn't do if it wasn't for following Jesus. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead and the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. Track here. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. There's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament, Psalm 110. The reign of King Jesus. For he has put everything until for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that he has put everything under him, it is clear that it does not include God himself who put everything under Christ, all authority in heaven and on earth. When he has done this, the Son himself will be made subject who put to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. So this is I want us to just just let that soak in and us not be like Huh? Like, we're going to be raised from that? Yes, we're going to be raised from the dead. This is our hope. And we have to say it over and over again because our culture, our worldview is so dominated by a dualistic, out of here kind of framework that's supported by all kinds of stuff. And I just, I, let me just pause here because in the Enlightenment, it, it kind of really reinforced that that thinking, that things scientific were material and that theology was then speculative of an experience that you could have if you wanted to. I mean, that's literally how the breakdown, but it's, it's old Epicureanism is just kind of redone Platonic thinking, okay? Let's keep going. Skip down to verse 42. So he's been, the, the, the question is, what's the resurrection body like? And it's a heavenly, it's a, we have this earthly body, but it's going to be a, a, a different kind of body, but similar. So verse 42, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. 
It is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. It is sown with a natural body and it is raised with a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man became Adam, became a life, a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, then the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And is the heavenly man, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we've all borne the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus Christ, right? That's who we're talking about. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the, perish, the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. We will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable is clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know, check it out, you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So the thing here I want to just build on, I'm just transitioning into this second thought here, is what do our lives look like when our labor for the Lord is not in vain? That's it. When, when your labor's not in vain, then how are you going to live? When what you do for the Lord matters, then how do, you, how do we live? How do we put this on the ground and live our lives? So revisit the resurrection. That's what we're talking about here. And the second piece here is to reimagine our purpose. God sums everything up for us in one person who is prototype humanity. He came and showed us in the incarnation, in his life and ministry, a life of devotion, of absolute dependence upon his father. And in, the, in doing that, express the reign of God on the earth. The kingdom is here. Repent. Get in line with this kingdom. Join this story. Find yourselves in the story of God. That's what God's calling us to do, to reimagine our purpose in the light of heaven coming to earth and God making, uh, not just out there, but making things right in our families, in our jobs, in our vocations, in our schools, in our whatever it is we're doing, dads, granddads, moms, grandmoms, sons, daughters, in everything. What kind of things will be in that future? And then how do we live right now? 
You know, so the kinds of things that are going to be there are love. It's always got to be love, like with the love of God flowing through us and peace and forgiveness and reconciliation. And then when we start to think that way, we suddenly start to value, like really value in our time and schedules and money. We value painting, paintings that look like that. And preaching that looks like that and stirs that up. Uh, singing and sewing, praying, hospitals that look like that, where there's healing that's coming. You know, one day there's not going to be more sickness. No more sickness. So everybody that's in the healthcare vocation in this room, it's a bunch of you guys, I know. Like you're, you're making things right. Kim will come home and tell me stories as an audiologist of people when they, when they can suddenly hear. Like that's, that's the new creation. That's making things right. That's just an expression of that. Um, campaigning for justice and righteousness. It, digging wells, planting trees, writing poems. Stories of redemption and caring for the needy, loving neighbors, loving enemies, praying for enemies. I'm listening to a guy named Ben Ward on Spotify, just to get a little pod podcast, and he, he leads, he sings a little, it's real peaceful stuff, you can check it out, but uh, he, every, every time he does this thing, he says, now let's, we're instructed to pray for our enemies, so if you have any enemies, let's pray for them now, and he pauses. And it's just, it's, it's putting a little bit of discipline into my life, and I kind of, it's not like I've got a big list or something, but um, this morning I prayed for the Russians, I, I, but they're not really my enemies because I love them, you know, but I was trying to do what he said to do in the prayer. <laughs> um, loving our neighbors, making disciples, raising our families to know the Lord, um, Years ago, I discipled this guy named Josh Jenkins, who was the front guy for a band here locally called Green River Ordinance. And, uh, <laughs> and so, cool. And, and so one of the things Josh and I would talk about was I was just, I was taking a deep dive on new heavens, new earth, new creation. And I was like, dude, you're writing songs all the time. What would it be like to write in a way that reveals heaven on the earth? the way it should be. And you know, he moved to Nashville years ago, but he just, he just had a couple of number one hits. Uh, and they've got a little, I think they've got some new creation in them. One of them's called Buy Dirt. Anybody ever heard that song? Buy Dirt. You know, get some land and have a family and grow up and mature. And um, the other one's called Fancy Like. And that, I don't know how redemptive that one is. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, somebody's probably going to come to me after. Oh, that's not a good. But no, I know Josh, and I know that he's working for building the kingdom and new creation. Awesome. Hey, Josh, somebody send him a clip. But what I'm saying here is this is inaugurated eschatology. So we've started, it, something started in Jesus. It's now and it's not yet. And so we live in our own lives as it will be. Uh, the glory of what's coming. We want to live in a way that makes things right, yeah. that proclaims the good news about Jesus, that brings 
broken people into wholeness. That's, a, that's what inaugurated eschatology is, living like Jesus Christ is the Lord of heaven and earth. Inaugurated holiness. I want to live a holy life because holiness is coming. Right? So inaugurate holiness. Inaugurated creativity. Inaugurated love and beauty and justice. The kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, there, for years now, and I, I think in the last decade or two, there's, help has been coming. But for years, there's been a false dichotomy between salvation by grace through faith and actually doing things that make things right in our culture. And it happened about 100 years or so ago, there was, this fundam- there was a, a controversy between fundamentalists who, who were conservative in their view of Scripture and more liberal uh, people that were lower in a view of Scripture but wanted to do things to make things right. And because of that, they, you know, when there's an argument going on, you tend to polarize and go to one side or the other and overstate something. And when that is not our argument, and it doesn't help the world for salvation by grace through faith to be separated from actually doing things that make things right. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, yeah, praise the Lord. So, yeah, and it's fueled, uh, that whole thing is fueled then too by the Platonic dualism that I've been talking about. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Reimagine purpose. Uh, one of the things, I've, the illustrations I think about, I've just, for some reason, I looked up the other day Notre Dame, the cathedral. You know, it burned like three years or so ago, something like that. The timber. It, it, it took 5,000 trees. The timber that burned in Notre, Notre Dame a couple years ago, whatever that was, 5,000 trees. And they're on this long-term project to rebuild everything. But I, in looking that up, I also saw that it took 182 years to build it. 182, like nobody, nobody that started it, yeah, nobody that started it <laughs> saw it to completion. And everybody's working on different parts. Don't you know different kind of stonemasons and artists and wood carvers and whatever kind of stuff goes into. And so some people might, might not even know in space what somebody else was doing, but not even in time what somebody else was doing, all under this master plan to build. You know, and that's what's going on in the world right now. There's a master plan by King Jesus with every tribe and language and nation and tongue, he's got a plan going on to build this worldwide multi-ethnic family that's making things right in all the different cities that we live in, right? And one day, there's gonna be a new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem with gates that never shut, and the wealth of all those cultured cities will be coming into it and flowing into it. That's why I'm saying part of this thing is what you do matters, what you do matters right now. It's going to flow into the holy city. So every kindness inspired by the kingdom, every act of grace and love, works of art and music inspired by the Lord. Think about Bach. He wrote on the, on the top right, you know, to the glory of God. Now, I don't know what all we're going to play to perform that, but don't you know that's going to be there, that it somehow was expressed as an expression of heaven on earth? And I have a bias. I do think there will be 
some Telecasters like this. I think there's probably going to be some 57 Strats. Just, there's just, you can look it up. I mean, there's just something about it. Just, it's just, ah, you know? And, but there's going to be some violins and, and expressions of stuff we're singing then. I mean, we're, we're building for that when we say, you're beautiful, Jesus. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Uh, wow. Every act of care, every art, every song, delighting in the beauty of God's creation is part of that. It's like learning to see. Open our eyes. Um, if you've not read uh, another right thought here, N.T. Wright, um, surprised by hope, and you're a theologian type of person, then, then grab this book. It's, it's really impacted me a lot. The, the title, go ahead and flash that up. The uh, first, first piece, yeah. Uh, every, so here we go. This is from Surprised by Hope, Rethinking Heaven, the Resurrection and the Mission of the Church. Every act of love, gratitude and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation, every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, every act of care and nurture, of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings, and for that matter, one's fellow non-human beings. Not good. Have you ever just loved on your pet and felt like you're expressing the glory of God and seeing the beauty of his creation in that little being, little animal? You know? May Maggie rest in peace. Yeah. One's non fellow, non human creatures. And of course, prayer. All spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. All of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. That is the logic of the mission of God, God's recreation of his wonderful world which began with the resurrection of Jesus and continues mysteriously as God's people live in the risen Christ and in the power of the Spirit. And that means that what we do in Christ and by the Spirit in the present is not wasted. It will last all the way into God's new world and it will be enhanced there. You know, so uh, it shapes, it, 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 this has shaped Antioch Fort Worth. We are shaped by this mission. We are shaped by being the people of God on the mission of God for the glory of God. Yeah, right? So this is a big deal. All the different ways that we're in. And some of you guys have done things and laid down your lives in ways that you thought there would be more happening. But we just don't, we don't know what all it means, the, the fruit of what we've done. And every act of kindness, known or unknown, in the name of Jesus, it matters Serving refugees, departments, it matters. Unbound. You know, it, it matters. It matters. We're, we're connecting our, the church with, with doing stuff that actually matters in the world. And that's who God's called us to be. The way we picture this a lot of times is through the spheres diagram. We are God's people together, but we go out, we gather 
and then we go out and we do all kinds of different stuff. And that's not all the, all the circles that are represented from our homes to education, politics, justice, business, on and on. But we are called to be a people that represent his presence everywhere we go. It starts with baptism, enacting the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and entering into this wonderful world of possibilities in the Lord. And we remember every time we take communion that we are participating. We're participants. That's, that's a great word. We're participants. We're not just observers. We're not spectators. And, you know, we, 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 um, it's just, it's a big deal. We're in it. Every vocation matters. And I, I, I'm not telling people what to do, but if you can't find your God somehow in what you're doing, he, he may be leading you to something else, right? I, just humbly, I, we, because we want to be able to, our lives to matter and to count, to, to serving students, you know, and, and it matters. Front lines, you know, just it, it matters on around this room. So living into new creation, whether you're a mom or a doctor or an educator, living into new creation is what happens when God's people live creative lives, like our prayer lives. Lord, show me today how to live creatively for you. Reshape my thinking. Renew my thinking. Uh, and the, the, there's this word that came out of one of the prayer meetings this morning was receive the revelation. So revisit the resurrection and be raised from the dead. Reimagine our purpose and receive the revelation in a way that changes us and impacts us. And what's going to happen as we proclaim this gospel of the kingdom of God is that we hear it, we receive it, and our lives are impacted and changed. It matters. It matters what we do when we leave here because Jesus is coming again. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. If you would stand up. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Lord, we want to be changed in your presence. We want to make a difference in the lives that you've called us and given us. Lord, we get to do this. Lord, in the midst of the trials, the hard things, there's different sufferings that we go through in different seasons. And and I'm just, I want to say this compassionately. I, we would never choose it for each other. We, we don't choose hard things for each other. And yet the Lord always works through that stuff. It's a promise that he will work through the hard thing that you're going through. If I could have the ministry team come on up. And man, let's just, let's pray into this. Let's pray into on earth as it is in heaven. Let's, Lord, just shape us in this time. And you know, maybe you haven't thought of it this way, then come and get prayer. Maybe you have thought of it and you're just going, ha, ah, this is explosive with possibilities. Then let's pray into that. Front fills up, just let's pray with somebody you came with that, you know, the, the thing that you're doing could take shape in a way that helps to build God's kingdom, joins Jesus in what he's doing. And uh, as always, you know, if you have any need to come to the Lord in some fresh way that I don't, some kind of need I don't know about, come and get prayer. Please get prayer with somebody. Just don't leave with a need and not having somebody to just pray with you and agree with you. All right, Father, we love you. Uh, we thank you, Jesus, that you opened the, 
disciples' eyes when you broke the bread and they could see you. And Lord, we're just, we're wanting to live into that story ourselves this morning in such a beautiful way. Lord, let it happen. Let lives be changed. Let there be a new direction, a new trajectory of pointing to new creation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come and get prayer, you guys.